They're checking Cherubin pot strewn strategically along the daily. Chatter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of the top end pub. So two years in rehab and the drunken albatross is now the sober albatross. And he's looking real good, you know. Bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. He's got a really positive outlook. First day out, though, he veers straight into a lunchtime show at the Winelli. I find him at 10 o'clock at night covered in vomit in a car park. I have no idea where these bloody new stickers are going to end up. It could be... Uh-oh. What's going on? More. Jesus, is that the time? Oh, showtime. Great. Yeah, let's go. Quick, Hurry up. drink up. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishos, welcome to Tales from the Tinny. In the dry season, as we do our best to remain calm, heading to our fishing spots and sitting at 65 to 70 kilometres below yet another road train of grey nomads, one after the other. Overtake one, slow down to 70, overtake another. Maybe you might get up to 80, 85. Just stay calm, fishos. I mean, you've got to... I suppose you've got to be calm too, given that the destination you're headed to is going to be hard work for Barra. Such is the nature of uh, the dry season, obviously, with te- temperatures plummeting across the top end and obviously water temps reducing as well. Barra, wherever you look, are hard work. But blue water fishing is picking up and most of the talk continues to be around Dundee and far uh, offshore for the blue. We'll take you across all those places. Uh, Packy Andy's on deck. Welcome back. Thanks, Packy. Tim. G'day. How are you? Where you been? Oh, you went to the cock. I did. I did. <laughs> I went to the cock to chase some barra. You... No, I actually went to Bangkok for a conference, um, but whilst over there I had a... A, dump- du- a dumpling conference? <laughs> yes. Thanks for filing in the report, by the way. You're not going to let this go, are you? No, no. The, look, the dumplings are just outstanding, and that, that was a Singapore stop-off, especially for dumplings. No, there was a conference in Bangkok, and I had a day off, uh, and I decided to go and find a barra. Believe it or not, there's Barra Monday in Bangkok. Wow. About two hours out of town, drove me out to this lake. It was like a man-made, more like a dam, really. They're proper barra. They're proper barra, yeah, yeah. So I spent the first twenty minutes. The guide said, "Just cast, just keep casting," and it was just nothing for twenty minutes. I thought, "There's like a village up a tree somewhere with an iPhone recording me going, look at this bloke." Yeah, he thinks he's going to catch a barra. Gonna, but there's actually no gone. fish yeah. in there. And then twenty minutes later, I get this whack. And I thought, oh, that's that's my barra. That was not a rat. That was not a rat tap. That was a big fish tap. Huh? Eight fish in three and a half hours, all between seventy-five and eighty-five. Oh, not bad. Outstanding. So they run it. They, it's a stocked impoundment of some sort. This yeah. stock lake, and they run it as a tourist venture. They do, and it was just uh, it was fantastic, and changed up lures quite a bit, and got onto this blue lure that I ended up buying off the guide. And five of the I'm not not kidding. Five of the fish I caught were on this blue lure, uh, which I picked up a couple of them on the way back on the stopover. Flew from the the airport out to the tackle shop in Singapore. Found the same lure. Uh, and bought half a dozen of them. How, to how much home. did the Bangkok guide charge you for his personal blue lure? 
Uh, well, he took the hooks off it, and it was pretty beaten up. It was actually pretty. It was 200 baht. It's actually a lot cheaper than, than what it cost. Not bad. Yeah. Anyway. Where, did, where was the last? You went somewhere else and got barrow overseas, didn't you? Yeah, years ago, um, went and fished Lake Nasser in Egypt for Nile perch, which are the same as barrow, basically. And I've caught them in PNG and Sri Lanka as well. It's a sort of a bucket list thing I've had uh, for Catch life. Catch barrow around the world. Catch barrow wherever barrow exists. Now, the dumplings, as you reported in last week, were of, high qu- of Michelin star standard. Uh, my understanding is, like it or not, there is a groundswell developing for the tales from the tinny frothy waffle Christmas party at the Szechuan dumpling shop in Singapore. Do, you, do you approve? Oh, look, I do approve. Um, I go one step further. I, I, I'd be happy to be a leader in part of this movement because, look, you've got to look at this logically, Tim. We're talking about Szechuan dumplings, icy cold Singapore beer and tackle shops all within a 500-metre walk. Yeah, Jared Godson from Real Screaming who started this off banging on about his dumplings... Uh, has contacted me this week. Oh, he has, and has he, he wanted he wanted me to put it out to the Church of the Tinny. That's you, Fishos. Uh, that it's he's got the dates and he's got the flight costs and he's got the accommodation costs. He reckons it's a red hot bargain. Mm. Four hundred bucks or something for the lot for a three to four day trip. Anyway, look if you if you want to join the groundswell, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. I'm interested in going to Singapore with you and looking at tackle shops and eating dumplings as much as I love you, Andy. Uh, I'm not I'm not convinced it represents value. <laughs> Well, I guess we're going to have to beg to differ there, Tim. <laughs> but, but you can contact us if you want to join the, the groundswell, ABC Tales and the Tinny, on uh, Facebook, or email us at fishing at abc.net.au. Oh, the dirty poo eater. <laughs> Did a poo, and then a wave just popped the poo back into my shorts. Because you freeze it, and you give it the freezer for three months, because everybody who comes... After a few beers, you'd stick it out and say, look what I got here, heaven. Tales from the Tinny. Sleeping, no doubt, not with the, the dogs like most people in this weather, but with the horsies is Warren DeWitt in Catherine, the Ayatollah of the DK VR. How cold is it, Warren? <laughs> it's very cool, mate. It's been uh, like nine degrees on Thursday morning in Catherine. I've actually had to steal the horses' rugs off them, mate, to put them on myself, so I had something to cover myself up with of a night time. I, like most of us, tend to go into full whinge mode. <laughs> I, it doesn't only annoy me, the coldness, but I just find it unacceptable that I should ever have to tolerate weather this cold in the subtropics. You seem to enjoy it. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's, we love it at this time of year when it's nice and cool like this because the other thing is, obviously, the wet season or the build-up's coming, so you know what? You're going to get clobbered between the eyes at some stage come the end of September. So, But nine degrees, Warren. That's fantastic. It only stays nine degrees for a couple of hours, not even an hour in the morning, and it's building up and, and gets up into that nah, mid-20s, I suppose, at the moment, a little bit higher maybe, but... Beautiful weather. The only thing that's um, putting a little bit of a dampener on it, I suppose, is the wind. It's been quite blowy coming out of the southeast with the strong highs that are pushing up, and that's shutting down a lot of the fishing around the Gulf area. Um, it's making it very difficult for people to uh, fish the Roper or fish any of those um, Gulf river systems like the MacArthur or, or the Wirian or, or even the Towns River on the on the uh, Gulf side. But Having said that, um, if you go over onto the eastern, oh, the western side, sorry, yeah, you've got a big opportunity to fish in some of those rivers that are a bit more protected because the, the wind's coming off the land. Yeah, it's often a challenge in the dry season too, and I had one yesterday, Warren, with a friend has family coming up, you know, grey nomad, mum and dad. 
they want to go on a fishing charter and they want to target Barra and we're asking for recommendations. Like, seriously, <laughs> where do you tell them? P- particularly yeah. when the daily's fishing so poorly and it's going to be tough in this weather anyway and corroboree exactly. is, is pretty poor for Barra too. Yeah, it is. It's very difficult to honestly um, put people onto fish at this time of year. And um, But you need to just try and work the moon of a night time. I've seen a good uh, few reports coming in of guys who have been out on that full moon, which was only a couple of nights ago. And as it was leading up to full moon, it was they were doing quite well trawling soft plastics um, through the middle of some of those billabongs in Kakadu and doing quite well. So... There's fish around still, but you just have to maybe change your your operation of uh, trying to get them. And perseverance, I suppose, is the other thing. And and obviously this time of year, everyone you know tries live bait as well, which is the other main uh, way of trying to entice those fish that have got lockjaw. And if you drop a cherubin or a live mullet straight down in front of their nose, it's pretty hard for them to resist that. So that would be another alternative is to try that. And obviously the coastal areas are still worth trying because you've got the tide moving backwards and forwards all the time. So the water stays a lot more constant in the tidal sections around the coastline. So that then helps steady the the water temperature, whereas in the freshwater sections of the rivers, the the water temperature plummets as soon as the temperature plummets outside so it does impact straight away and those fish go into hibernation until it builds back up again the other thing you can do is when they catch a toga everyone on the boat just scream out great barra how'd you go your first barra they don't know the difference oh of course equivalent to a barramundi in in some ways because they're (laughs) they're great sports fish they jump they fight hard and they're even super hard to hook obviously because they've got such a bony mouth so you know close enough yeah close enough is good enough Meanwhile, mate, they've released the water allocation plan for the Catherine Tyndall area and you, well, Afan and and a a number of people have some concerns about how much water's been allocated under that plan because it's potentially going to affect environmental flows into the Catherine and then the Daly. Yeah, definitely. The government has released uh, this week the draft Catherine Tyndall Limestone Aquifer Water Allocation Plan, and this plan runs for 10 years. So it starts in August 2019 and, and goes to 2029. So it's so important to get the facts or get the figures right and get the flows right before the plan goes into act, because otherwise it's very difficult to change. And if you read the draft plan, and I would strongly urge all people to get a hold of a plan and have a read of it and put a submission in if they can because the more people take note of what's happening the better chance we have of making sure we get the facts or or get the the right flow rates to the to the environmental flow because at the moment in the plan it does say that it's over allocated and and it definitely is over allocated but it it is higher than what they're actually saying and and that's the concerning part about it is that when you look at um the precautionary approach that we have taken in the past, we've allowed 30% for uh, industry and agriculture and 70% for environmental flows. If you work out the figures that are in the draft plan now, it's 72% for industry and agriculture and only 275 or 27.8% for environment, environmental flows. The only thing that's saving the government and saving an environmental disaster is that the industry and agriculture are only using 31% of their allocated entitlements or their licences. So if everyone was to draw the amount of allocation out of the the aquifer that they're allowed to, we would see 
the water or the in the environment or the flows going into the Catherine down the daily collapse because there wouldn't be enough water in in the aquifer to sustain that extraction. So we need to try and make sure we address that imbalance before the plan comes into play because if we don't, it's too late once that plan's been signed off by the Territory Government and put into play because um, those figures are basically locked into that plan. Mm, okay, you can get it on the government website. It's the Denner website, presumably, is it? Or contact Affent and we can send you the link to it as well. Um, but people need to read it. I can't stress, you know, that if we don't get this right prior to the to it going into play, then it's too hard to do after. So people need to be aware of it now. Don't sort of start screaming after the fact that you find out that it's in, in into play and, and it won't be able to be changed to 2029. 20, Key question, Warren, where, where do I go fishing this weekend? Well, I would sort of think about coastal area, to be honest with you, because we're coming off big tides and starting to drop down into neeps again. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday next week are certainly looking good as far as the dead neeps go, but certainly around the mouths of some of these river systems or the coastal area, depending on what kind of wind flow we have at the moment as well, whether it's blowing too strong or not. But um, on the western side, around Dundee, um, Bino Harbour, Darwin Harbour would be worth a look at, I suppose, on the flats with the water draining off the flats um, a little bit more than normal because we're down to um, the, the the start of the neap tides on the 22nd or the 23rd and 24th. So they're definitely worth a look at this weekend. Excellent, Warren. Have a great one. Keep warm. All right, boys. All the best. <laughs> The jaws of a saltwater crocodile. They are designed to lock hold of any animal, drag it back into the water, commence a death roll and drown it. Now take a couple of pieces out of the animal, then wedge the dead carcass underneath the logs. Here we go, in a death roll. You really don't see that too often. Tales from the Tinny. Hi, hello, uh, I'm Hiro, I'm back. <laughs> you are indeed, Hero, and I just saw you rock up on a new scooter, 150cc. Yeah, exactly the same Honda's scooter, <laughs> different colour. It's a Honda Mundi 2? Yeah, Honda Mundi 2nd. <laughs> it's so new that it doesn't even, you haven't even put a rod holder uh, on there yet. Yeah, tomorrow a friend of mine will organise those settings. Mate, after getting hit by a car and having a, a very bad injury, how has it been getting back into the barra fishing? Um, my left knee is still wobbling because uh, some ligament still doesn't connect it. So my physical strength is weakened so much. But I have to come back come back to Baramande, a land-based Baramande fishing. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. Have to, otherwise, I'm foreigner. I have no family here. So I have to fish Baramande here. Otherwise, I, can, I cannot live by myself. I saw you've been hitting up um, Miley Point a bit uh, at night, doing pretty well. Because uh, it's... Uh, uh, natural things in dry season Mindri Beach water is very clear and uh, these two weeks tides were very slow 
So, Baramandi, not only Baramandi, small bait fish are very cautious. Yeah. That's why uh, I, went to, I went fishing after sunset to Mighty Point Rocks.、Oh, to, get the, uh, to get the edge. Yeah. So, how have you been doing? You've been getting sort of what, 50s and 60s? Yeah, I caught a 61 cent Baramandi、uh, last Saturday and I took that Baramandi home. I made sashimi first, but this time this sashimi wasn't taste perfect. Something not enough. So I made sushi. Very nice. <laughs> It's not、uh, normal sushi. Uh, it's uh, like uh, marinated paramandi sushi. Tastes good. And the fishing you've been doing、uh, at night there, have you been fishing with hard bodies mostly? It depends on the wind condition.、Yeah. If very calm condition, I normally use hard body. But too calm condition, no good. It's the same reason under the condition very clear water and slow tide. They will be very cautious. Even night time, if to come, their enemy can find their existence easily. So they should be very cautious. Okay, and so because if there's, if there's a bit of wind and a bit of waves, then there's noise and there's other things going on. Yeah, but if a little bit windy, I use soft plastics. So, new scooter, how long before you can,、uh, you can go to some fishing spots a little bit further away? Yeah,、uh, to tell you the truth, I want to buy a car this time because、uh, after traffic accident, <laughs> you want a bit of protection. Uh, but my daughter has just started、uh, studying medical、uh, doctor course, so I need money. <laughs> It wouldn't be the same w- without seeing Hiro driving around with a barramundi hanging off the, the back of the scooter. Yeah, but、uh, it, it's quite heavy <laughs> to carry barramundi、uh, by one hand. <laughs> <laughs> While driving scooter. <laughs> yeah.、Uh, all right. Well,、um, yeah, lovely to see you back into it, Hero. And, yes, um, and、uh, yeah, look forward to talking again soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Bye. He's back. And how's that without Barramundi fishing? I cannot live. <laughs> He's concerned though, Hero, because he's noticed that compared to five to ten years ago, he reckons the numbers of oysters on the rocks around Mindle Beach and Miley Point have gone down, and with them the barra numbers, which is kind of logical. You know, we always associate those oyster rocks because it's the start of the food chain、yeah. uh, with good barramundi feeding areas. His theory less trees around there now to help produce the kind of acid in the soil nearby, and something about how the oysters need said acid or some such to be happy. He's an ecologist. It's analytical. And, 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 well, that's how, that's how Hero runs his fishing.、Mm. But anyway, Hero in a 4B. Can you imagine it? It just doesn't quite, quite sit right. He'd still have to hold the,、um, the barra out the window on the way home, don't you reckon? I think so. Or leave, leave the tailgate open or something. Yeah, yeah. Just, just for the sake of tradition. 
You might remember, Tim, we, we saw Hero uh, a week or so ago down at the casino after yeah. a family day there on the lawn. Yeah. I did a bit of investigative backtracking because I did notice he had a couple of barra with him. Oh, investigative backtracking means insider angling. You've done it again, haven't you? No, no, no. It was just a little little data cross matching. And if 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 you were, and I, and I also friended him on Facebook, which was a great thanks, hero, for for allowing me to be your friend. That's that, that's a career highlight. That's an honour. Yeah, if, that's bucket list tick, hero Facebook friend. Yeah, that is bucket list tick. But if you backtrack it, you'll see that there was a low tide of around. I think it was around two point three eight metres, and it was just before sunset. So he's been fishing the last of that run out, the first of the run in, and then it got dark, and then we saw him uh, on that tide. And if you look at his Facebook page, of course, he's then got a video that shows where he caught the fish. So <laughs> this is insider angling, man. I've pretty got, I've I've got it marked out in my diary. Uh, work or no work, tinny or no tinny, Tim. If it falls in a tinny time, then you're, you're going to find me at Miley Point on that exact tide with the same lure. That's another breach, man. That's public information, Tim. It's stalking. It's fish stalking. I suppose that's how you, that's how you find where hero catches fish. I don't, I don't feel right about this. I don't feel morally right about this at all. There, there is an offence of insider angling. I did look it up, Section 232.4A <laughs> sub B of the Crimes Act. And it's the <laughs> and use you, of... And you, sir, are guilty. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm innocent, actually, until proven guilty. <laughs> <laughs> the offence is um, is the use of confidential tales from the tinny information in order to make a personal gain without reasonable excuse. Prima facie, I may have committed an offence, but Tim, like I said, innocent or proven guilty, and I certainly want to catch a barrow before you charge me. <laughs> Please. You can do that whenever you like via ABC Tales and the Tinny on Facebook. Flick us a message or email us at fishing at abc.net.au. This was interesting that commercial barra fishers say the season so far is defying their low expectations, even after the poor wet, which is um, good news. Mm. Uh, Jeff Newman's the chair of the NT Barramundi Licensing Committee. He chatted to the Country Hour. I think we're a little bit surprised at uh, the amount of fish that has been caught. It's um, certainly not one of the greatest years, but uh, I think everyone's doing okay and uh, it's catching a little bit more fish than what we hoped for. So that's that's a good sign. He also mentioned another meeting coming up on Blue Mud Bay, Andy. Uh, they're hoping the commercial barrel licensees, and I'm sure a lot of others, hoping for another extension to the existing waiver. And we'll let you know how that meeting goes when we find out more. All right. Now, look, as you know, Mandora's really regarded as probably one of the the very best uh, land-based fishing spots in the Northern Territory. And the design tender for the Mandora upgrades have now been awarded, Tim. It's $1.1 million um, of funding. And that's to design the the breakwater structure, uh, a gangway and floating pontoon, a boat ramp, a fishing facility from landside, and proper car and trailer parking with an expected completion date around mid-2022, so that's pretty good news. Oh, it's still a couple of years off. This is just design, though. Mm. So still a couple of years off. Yeah, it's going to be a big deal, that. Meanwhile, on to the fishing. Um, ben Chalmers sent in a couple of pics in the video of his nine-year-old daughter, Ashley, wrangling 17 kilos of mackerel at Dundee. Dad's in close Yeah, Ashley! I feel like their leg strategy is working. Lift up. I'm trying! Right. <laughs> Whoa. 
how cool is that? I love the use of the word strategy by a nine-year-old daughter. That's the le- fantastic. The leg strategy. The leg strategy, said, which was basically um, perching the swag with her feet hooked under the gunnel as she pumps and winds. Oh, yeah, for pluggers, that, pluggers in the gunnel. Yeah, yeah. That, so that's that's the leg strategy. I, I just I love the commentary, you know. Mate, 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 I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to hit you. No, like, I'm, I'm, sub, I'm, subtitle, I'm just going to reel you in, cut your throat and eat you later on. <laughs> but I'm not going to hit you. <laughs> oh, the leg strategy, I like that. On you, Ashley. Uh, we're going to mm. send you a sticker for that effort. That's fantastic. Well done. The great Irish Geordie, Chris Weatherly, who we uh, spoke to a couple of weeks back, he's been over to Mandora again. Is he the guy who you inside angling, angled on? No, no. He invited me to join him for a fish at Mandora after the last Tinny episode, once isn't, we'd interviewed him. Isn't he the guy who said, go out there when there's windy and there's heaps of tuna around and you did some cross-referencing, got straight in your car and went there? I before did. you even broadcast that info? Uh, He's that guy. I'm reserving my right to silence. He's been back over to Mandora again anyway, Mm. this time having a ball with a nice-sized brassy. Yeah, to but, eight kilo. Well, there's been some good photos on the land-based um, Facebook page too, and they're all got that that yellow Mandora type um, structure behind them. That fishing is obviously continuing at Mandora. Mm. Thanks too to John Gurdam who sent us uh, in a little tuna session video from Lee Point. He's done up a video called Tuna Baby. Unfortunately for the final cut, a lot of the tuna action happened to coincide with the guy holding the GoPro. Doubting whether it was even on. <laughs> Don't you hate that? We've all been there. We have. Haven't we? Mm-hmm. up, baby! Oh, right in front of us. Screen seems to have gone darker all of a sudden. Or it even stopped. Good <laughs> up, baby! I think it's turned itself off, John. No, no, it's still recording. No, it's good, mate. Still oh, on. Okay. But you can't see where you're pointing. Yeah, just let the fish do the talking. Let the reel and the screaming of the reel uh, do the talking. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a voice. Just a little bit of a warning on this one, Andy. We promise a, a few things on the tinny. Cunning, guile and gross stupidity. And a fair few of those elements uh, are found in this next yarn. But like all things on the tinny, it's, it's gross and graphic and full of foul language. So while we, as we often say, we are a family show, we're not play school. So if the kids are the kind who don't like blood, guts, gore and mayhem, maybe put on there's a bear in there. On the stereo, just, just for a moment. Yeah, young uh, Billy, living up to do. Work on a mackerel boat, and yeah, not too long ago, had a bit of a mishap. <laughs> Normally, you get up and you get your stuff ready, rah rah rah. And I was running the dory at the time, a little dinghy. It's pretty hectic morning. <laughs> silly me, silly me, didn't put my gumbies on. Went on there with pluggers and. Yeah, it was the last thing I'll ever do. <laughs> Went out, probably good morning, had a few fish, a few fish on the boat, then um, swung this one mackerel in. You swing them in front of you and you've got a paravane or sort of blockage to stop the fish from coming back. Swung them in the boat, unclipped it, clipped another bait on, throw it up, and in the time that I can do that, it's done a jump, and the paravane, it's actually guided the mackerel straight down onto my foot, and I've watched it slice open, 
got straight on the radio and said yeah to me skip because he's over on the mothership told him i'd done me footing <laughs> up bad then he asked me again how bad it was so i had a look and <laughs> jesus i just said i've got to come in D- describe the, the scene uh, on your foot to be honest surprisingly there was not much blood at all all i seen was an open foot and all the insides and i knew it was bad <laughs> be honest so i'm a i'm a fainter i see too much blood and i'll hit the deck yeah i'm fine with fish blood pig blood and guts anything as soon as i see my own blood down i go because i mean uh, yeah of all species too mackies yeah they bleed a fair bit yeah yeah no you, you gotta chop their heads off after you swing them in the boat and that and they piss blood and I can see that every day, every day of the week. Not me, eh? So, yeah, so I made sure I could get back to the big boat before I hit the deck. When I got onto the boat and we wrapped it up properly, I did tell me, Skip, I said I'll pass out a bit, and it's funny because I haven't passed out yet. He told me not to look at it, and I said, Mate, I've looked at it plenty of times, and I'm not passing out. I'm, maybe I'm good. Would have been a minute after that, and I said, Mate, I'm going. I'm hitting the deck. <laughs> Grabbed a pillow and... Put it on my head and away I went. Woke up to him shaking me. Hey, get up, get up. Scared the living <laughs> out of him, I reckon. You had the wherewithal to grab a pillow as you were fainting, to yeah. put it under your head. Yeah, yeah, you, well, the worst thing you do is whack your head. That's what I've been told because I faint a fair bit. First thing I go for now is a bit of comfort. <laughs> First thing we could do was put a bit of pressure on there and, yeah, figure out the plan from there. How, how long a gash are we talking here? It was a 10-hour trip into Manangrita, pretty much, after I cut it. So we got in there, and they measured it up at 9, nine centimetres long. They didn't measure it wide-wise, but I'd say anywhere between 2 to 5 centimetres wide. It was a wide gash too, man. You could see the inside. You could see the white tendons. and. So you got the boat into to Manangrita, and yeah. what happened then? We were looking at the non-stick pad before we put it on, thinking... Which way should we put this on? Looking and looking, I was told him not to get it wrong, and we got into Man and Greeter, and she goes, "Who put this on?" <laughs> they both blamed each other. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it was on backwards, so that was probably the worst pain I went through out of the whole procedure. Was it getting ripped off, stuck to me tendons, and oh, no painkillers could help. Not one. They told me there I was going to lose my foot, and they called Care Flight straight away. I was thinking, don't tell me that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, all, all was good. Got back in. Oh, well, not all was good. Took five days to sew my foot up when I got back to Darwin. <laughs> Bit of rehab. Three months later, I was walking. Without knowing too much about it, I would have thought that, like, that, that particular risk on a Mackie boat is sort of number one. Like, not all, not all boats uh, are after fish that have teeth like Mackies. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely something you've got to be wary of out there. And, I mean, that was my problem at the start. I wasn't weary enough of them. Now when I go out, I'll make sure I'm onto them, eh? Uh, and how, how big was this, Mackie? Oh, it would have only been a metre long. Yeah, pushing 900. While we're onto that, how big a Mackie have you guys seen out there? Oh, I've seen some donkeys, eh? Going out there, oh, I wouldn't be able to tell you a specific size on them, but we've got plenty of trunks, and that a trunk is with the mackerel's head off and guts out and trunks themselves that go over 20 kilos. So you've probably got a 28, 30 kilo fish sitting there sometimes. And what is that? Is it, would that be like a, like a 140 or something? Yeah, that's probably a metre 40s. 
I've caught one myself on a rod and reel, metre 37, and I thought that was huge, and I've come out on the mackerel boat, and it's made that one look small, some of the fish I've seen, you know? So, yeah, they, they get pretty big. Does working on a mackerel boat ruin catching mackerel for you, or is it, are you, still, you still, still get off on it? You know what, I thought it would ruin it, but, yeah, when you're out there and you see so much of them, it's like, ah, uh, another mackie, but come back in the dock, you go fishing, you hook one up on the line, it's completely different, because they go off. Yeah. And, yeah, no, nah, I love them. End of the day, I love eating them too, so can't complain. So what did the old boy say when he heard about the injury? He didn't know it was that bad, so he said, yeah, no, you'll be right. And then I sent him through the photo, and I got a call in seconds. <laughs> You're right, bud. Rah, rah, rah. It was all good. And then he sent the photo through the old girl, and, <laughs> and she was on the phone. Get your ass home now. Rah, rah. All of that. <laughs> and then, yeah, anyway. Is that the worst injury that, that you've seen on that Mackie boat? Yeah, it's the worst one I've seen on me boat. Even me skipper said it's the worst one he's seen, and he's been in it for a while, so... <laughs> Must be a good one. <laughs> Must be, eh? Hey? You're, you're in bare feet now. I'm just looking at it. It's a decent scar, man. Yeah, yeah, no, I didn't do a half-ass job, eh? <laughs> but you were hoping for a better scar. Oh, f- yeah, I was... I mean, you, you're going to do something that good. You want to hope you got something good enough to show for it. Right now, I'm back on the same boat, catching Mackies again, so I'm walking. That's the main thing. Yeah, and wearing the gummies every time. Yeah. Oh, the gummies or shoes, yeah. No pluggers, no more. Nice to see it's all healed up. Thanks for spinning the yarn. Yeah, not too easy, eh? Have a good one. <sighs> but yeah, man, dead or alive they can get ya. I know a Sheila, she's picked one up for a photo, dropped it, fully dead, been dead for that long. Tooth landed on top of her toe and took the top of her toe off with her nail and pretty nasty fish, eh? Wow. Don't underestimate how sharp a Mackie's teeth are. Beware the mackerel. Tales from the Tinny. Wow, four tenons severed by this Mackie, and he looked down and just saw the inside of his foot. I love how when he saw the inside of his foot, the bone and the tenons, he thought, yeah, I've got a problem. Yeah, I've got a serious problem. How are these for stats? I like stats, as you know. Ten hours on the boat to Madangrita, a nine by five centimetre wide cut, and three months of rehab to get back. Full on. Wow. And it, so the thing is, the Mackie wasn't even having a go. It was just sliding down onto his foot. It, it was just an accident. Yeah. Poor timing and poor location of foot. And, of course, we heard in there that they put the bandage on backwards, so it had to be ripped off. Uh, here's how that felt. You want to hear it again? <laughs> I think he handled that pretty well. Another important thing to point out here is that there just happened to be a pillow handy for him to grab mid-faint. Yeah, that what? is... What? <laughs> yeah, well, he faints a bit. Yeah, so yeah. he kind of, as, oh, he, mate, as, he, he, as he feels it coming on... It's part of his emergency plan, yeah, to have right. a pillow. He, he grabs a pillow and then slowly <laughs> faints atop it. You can see the pics and the video of that bandage being ripped off if you're, if you're into it at ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. How you going guys? Uh, my name's Errol from Prep. Uh, I recently did a bit of a spearing fishing trip out to Dundee on Saturday with a few mates. It was a absolute glass off. Managed to spear a sailfish, my first sailfish. Uh, it was about 25 kilo and 2.3 metres full length. Um, there's three of them in the pod together and about a metre under the surface and a metre off the boat. So we pulled up at a, a mark 
around Sale City. It was um, it's about 17 metres and my, my mate Woody and I jumped in. We started spearing. And then the guys in the boat started yelling, sailies, sailies, sailies. I looked over at them and I didn't believe them for the first few calls and neither did Woody, I think. And then uh, they kept yelling it, so we, we went over and Woody ended up swimming around the front of the boat and I went, ended up swimming underneath the boat and then I popped up just from behind the boat, underneath the boat. And there was one straight out, all the fins out, everything was out. And uh, yeah, just plugged in straight away. Just behind the gill plate in the backbone, he stopped moving straight away. And um, yeah, there's two more with him, about the same size. So yeah, there's three of them in the school. One of them was actually feeding. But yeah, it was pretty insane, nah, right next to the boat. Gee, would have been hoping that you did actually stone it because if you if you didn't it would have taken you for quite a run yeah would have been a bit of a different story if i'd got it somewhere high or back in the tail somewhere yeah i reckon the rest of the boys would have just been seeing you being towed out to the horizon yeah that's it you're just gone see you later errol see you in timor the sailfish they are a species that that lots of fishos go to some lengths to um you know to to try to release sort of healthily it's not like a, a common spearing species yeah. any of this going through your head oh look probably beforehand but um no at the time no nah. i mean we eat all of it we don't just kill it and really i mean if i could shoot and release i would but sadly that's not the case so yeah i came on board we um killed it humanely and then filled it up and we ate it so i mean it's been shared out to quite a few people there's a bit, fair bit of fish there so yeah, definitely worth eating. I'm sure there's someone has a secret recipe, but I don't have that. It's smoked or a curry, but other than that, that's that's all I've heard so far. Not many people would, would uh, have had the experience to see a, a sailfish underwater. Describe that for us. Uh, it was pretty unreal. I mean, I could have touched the boat with my hand, and then to see a sailfish, he's got these two massive fins coming out the bottom of him, all the sail completely out, side on, just absolutely unreal uh, just an awesome looking fish and it's an unreal looking fish i can't believe it honestly how close it was and everything like that it was very cool now as if that wasn't enough of a, of a major event for the session uh it wasn't there was lots of other stuff that happened as well it was a bit of an eerie day actually um we got out to the first spot i think it was and we'd fished for a little bit got a good trout on our vibe which is my first trout on a vibe which is quite exciting but um woody and i decided to jump in and have a look and as I swam to the bottom, Woody said he saw something behind me, follow me down. Obviously, I didn't know this till I came back up. But anyway, I've got to the bottom. I've sat on the bottom. Good reef, couldn't see any good fish. So I came back up and I get up, stick my head up, and everyone's just going, Marlin, Marlin, Marlin. I look out the back of the boat and there's this, I don't know, maybe 25, 30 kilo black just jumping and just constantly jumping. Just there's about a minute of footage of it jumping and it was jumping before they started filming. Apparently it jumped two metres from the boat was the first jump and then it just went from there. Oh my God. That must be what I saw. It's just free jumping. Just kept coming out. From what everyone's telling me, it was um, to get lice or, you know, parasites out of its eyes. Wow. How was the sound of that slapping on the water? Yeah, it's pretty hectic and everyone's screaming. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just big slap. Very cool to see. I should ask, how was the rest of the fishing? It was pretty, still pretty good. We did get a quite a, uh, not quite a few, a few more fish, but um, my partner Sarah got into her first little red emperor and she got a good nana guy and we got a few other nana guy and just, they have one spot which is normally a bit of a red hole, but 
it was just covered in GT, so we were pulling up GTs after GT from 28 metres of water, and yeah, that tied the arms out pretty quick. <laughs> and uh, yeah, a few nannies and a, a little red, and yeah, some good trout. And a, um, actually, Woody did spear a very nice trout, probably or oh, 65 centimetre odd trout, three four kilo, I'd say. So having uh, spearos and line fishermen on the boat, how, how do the politics of that play out when you go from spot to spot? Um, generally, we line fish for a bit because if we're, I mean, if we're spearing, we probably won't, they're not probably not going to feed. But you know, if we rock up at a spot, we can line fish it. If there's nothing going on, we can have a look. If there is something going on, fish till there isn't, and then still have a look. Because I mean, nine times out of ten, there's always there's the fish are on your spot. You know, we pull up the marks off Dundee and all that where we go spearing every time we go there there's fish on it just because you're not catching them doesn't mean they're not there it's unreal their life like I've I did I've speared around mates fishing in the boat just like underneath me and you know I got it I got a 78 centimeter goldie and they were catching moonfish and the fish are there if you're in the structure the fish are there it doesn't yeah I'm spearing I guess I get to pick if if I'm going to get them they don't have to be hungry for me to get one which is good but yeah, definitely line fish first, and then jump in. So, all in all, what would you call it? An interesting day. One one off day, to be honest. Uh, if anyone's seen a marlin and then three sailies straight after each other, not trying to tease them up, nothing like that. They just came to the boat for whatever reason. They were there. Um, yeah, no, that's unreal. Pretty amazing. Wow, what a day! Marlin, sailies, trout, GTs. By the way, Errol also told us that on one of those dives, he came across a massive groper that caught him by surprise just a bit. Two and a half metres long by about one and a half high, he reckoned. The first thing you see is this massive big black shadow and that's just like... And then you sort of figure out what it is and that doesn't really make you feel any better. Oh man, (laughs) I've been there underwater. Scary. Oh yeah, so big, and the, massive head, and they do put. Apparently, they do put. You know, if they they want to get rid of you, yeah, and they, it's territorial, they can really strip some skin with those fine little teeth. Well, there was a story a few years ago. I remember about the body of a of a Queensland commercial fisher that was found. Oh, excellent! It, it, well, you've just taken that to it, the next level inside a grope. So they did more than take the skin off. Like they actually, it actually swallowed a person. Was it a <laughs> myth? Does that sounds like an urban myth? No, I'm pretty sure that was that was true. True story. The gropers can eat you. True dat, yeah. And that, uh, isn't that sort of the universal utterance for, oh, oh dear, that was both unexpected and undesired and far larger than anything I'd possibly want to encounter so near to my person. <laughs> Once more? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Not good. That's, that's faecal matter coming out your pants at a rate of knots. Oh, yeah. Involuntarily. Yeah. Red, fast and free! Presenting the tales from the tinny fish measuring sticker! Some say it's been scented with a barramundi pheromone. Some say it's scientifically proven in the effective removal of leg hair. Some say that these stats might be slightly exaggerated. Much like your fishing yards without a tales from the tinny fish measuring sticker! Email fishing at abc.net.au or message the tinny on Facebook to get yours. So I stupidly posted the results of that jelly bean counting game on Facebook with the winners. There were two winners within your 2% margin. Mm. This was where you guess the number of threadies on the sounder pick. Within 2%, you get a sticker. 
And I made the fatal mistake, Andy, at the end of that post of writing, uh, look, if you really want a 120 go fast, why, 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 delight a fish measuring sticker, just ask. Why would you do that, Tim? I know, and we've had... I apologise to Beard and to Neville for doing that because we've always had a rule with these stickers. And that is you need to spin us a yarn. Make us, make us laugh or make us cry. Just make us feel something, you know, in this ugly world of indifference and ambivalence. Make us feel. Mm, mm. Make us feel. Uh, I didn't follow that rule and I copped it. So then, of course, everyone on the Facebook post is going, yeah, I'll have one. Me. Sticker. Me. I'll have one. Give me one. I'll have a sticker. Yeah, give me sticker. So it, now Beard's had a huge job. He's had to go back and reset and say, sorry, Tim, you've got to, you've got to contribute something. Spin us a yarn. He's had to overrule. He's had to clean up your mess, Tim. And in breaking news, ne- Neville's just gone on long service leave too. You've, you've pushed him beyond his <laughs> bird at, boundaries. At least Nev, for example, on there said he liked beer before saying, give me a sticker. So that was something, Nev. So Joe asked for a, a sticker two on that post amongst the minions. So the beard delivered it, um, and he got a, he got back a fishing tail in exchange. Oh, good. That's the spirit of what we're talking about, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but that, yeah. That's we, what I, I should have stuck to. We give, you give. Yeah, it's a sharing relationship. Beard, my friend, Joe writes. This has made my day. I will exchange you a tale of a recent, not so successful fishing journey. Fishing with a mate around Bantry Bay out of Matinee and had a lure out doing some trolling as we do. Battle stations were quickly mobilised and I took the reins of my rod and took over, a mate took over the engine, started to battle what he thought was a three metre flatty. <laughs> so he's, he's in the fight with a three metre flatty. And Does they even exist? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I won't, I won't spoil it. Um, not in this case is the answer. I could, slowly, <laughs> I could slowly see a dark object making its way to the surface. It was super long and black. So this is not sounding like a flatty, is it? It had some mean eyes on it, and it was, had some scars, some battle scars. Eventually he got it into the boat, uh, and what he's landed is a black seven-foot fishing rod oh, with a reel, I might add. Excellent. Can't catch a fish, can catch a combo. True story. See, Joe, that's what we're talking about. You get a sticker. You didn't just say, give me a sticker. I was interested in Beard's response to that yarn, though. I kind of wondered if this was a sideways crack. And Beard responded to Joe and said... A sticker on its way, mate, with a Neville. It's been deployed. Uh, it'll fit uh, flatties on it, no problems. So that's, that's kind of supportive of Joe's fishing exploits, but judgmental mm. all at once. Mm. A compassionate but a bit cruel. I mean, a flatty is going to ma- not even cover a third of that sticker. No. Again, it will be a measure of your regret <laughs> and, a me- and a measure and to, to what extent you've fallen short of the mark. Enjoy it anyway, Joe. Uh, to Nathan Maslin. Greetings to the Tinny. First time caller, long time listener. I, r- I write to you from far south, Great Ocean Road in Victoria. In a bid to reignite the flame and rebuild the courage to venture out again in my aluminium steed. As you men enjoy sunny day upon sunny day, I'm pushing through a southern winter like a sewing needle through the earlobe, slowly and painfully. But I'll get there in the end. That being said, it's a perfect time for fishing, but a dented ego has kept me homebound. After watching my trailer's tyre roll ever so smoothly and overtake my car on the highway and into the sunset, I decided it was time for a revamp of the, the lady and her chariot. That is the tinny trailer combo. Watching your trailer tyre overtake you is a good time to, to have a look at those hubs 
and then <laughs> then have a look at that entire trailer. Yeah, that's a, that's not a good. Sign. It's sort of a it's it's a bit sort of a health check, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Yeah. After all appropriate maintenance, sanding and painting done, I realise there's uh, one last piece of the puzzle to get me back on the water, or at least the full weight of the boat ramp next time. Consequently, I ask that you bless my resurrected workhorse with one of your 120YYY Go Fast Red Fish measuring stickers. Any help is greatly appreciated. Of course, Nathan, it's on its way. Now, here's one I love, Tim. These are international potty mullets. Fantastic. People after my own heart. Hello, Tin Men. This is Nick. Hello, Tin Men. Great to hear the fishing stories. I live in Germany, so fishing isn't so easy. The license is a 30-hour course and around 200 questions on the oh, test. For a fishing license? Yeah, imagine if that was the case in the NT. That'd be awesome, I reckon. There'd be like nine fishos. Well, whoever made that, that government would be out in April. <laughs> yeah, they they <laughs> wouldn't last a day here. 30-hour course. That's insane. Wow. I wonder what you've got to do to get a boat licence over there. Mm. Anyway, could you guys please shoot me a couple of your racing redfish measures? One for my German mate who's learning to fish so we can dream of the fishing back home. We will send some pictures of us using them cheers and beers. Now, that is, I think that's fantastic. Message for your German mate. Guten Tag, Herr Nick. Ich habe zwei Fischmessen auf Kleber für du which means uh, we're sending two stickers to you in German. In revamping my German... Uh, was, was that... That was real, yes. Did, did that just actually happen? Yeah, that happened. Say it again now. <laughs> yeah, I said, Guten Tag here, Nick. Ich habe zwei Fischmessen auf Kleber für du, which means I've got two stickers for you. I dug a bit deeper, and the word for mullet... I'm, I am blown away. The, the word for mullet in, in German is Mulli. Mulli! So, Get a mully up you. So I, well, and thanks for bringing that up. I've translated it. Oh, and, you are a good man. Yeah, you, yeah. casual plus. Mate, I, yeah, you just elevated, mate. Halten ein Mully oben du. Halten ein Mully oben du. Oben du. Yeah, get a mullet up you in German. There you go, Nick. Take that back to Dusseldorf. So another faithful Tinny Church member. Bikini Dave, how are you mate? Yeah, good. What have you been doing? Fishing or eating dumplings? Uh, there's a, been a few dumplings consumed, yes. I believe you and I have something in common in that we've both consumed and enjoyed the same dumpling in Singapore. Yeah, there's been a few, uh, several different joints, we've uh, sampled them. Can't go just the steamed, you've got to go, I think you've got to go half and half, so uh, fried and uh, steamed, yeah, you mix it up. And in terms of spiciness, one thing I noticed, I had one of the high-end spice ones, and they were the dumplings that keep on giving. Yeah, they haven't, uh, they haven't come back for seconds, but they're pretty good. The spicy pork. The spicy pork, that's the one. A bit of groundswell out there for a possible Tales from the Tinny Christmas party in Singapore. Drink beer, eat dumplings and go to tackle shops. There's been a, a little push for it, yeah. A few rumours around the streets. Away from dumplings, let's talk about fishing Went out for a look on uh, Sunday, just in the harbour. Just went out to pretty much fill the esky, see if we could find a couple of dewies, yeah, on the wrecks. We just cruised around in the har- inside the harbour, just uh, some of those standard marks that everyone's got, and uh, managed to pull up, pull up a couple, yeah. You're pretty modest, because I've seen a couple of those photos on your phone, including the one that only just fits in the metre 20 uh, esky. How are you getting them? Lucky enough to see a few, so we dropped a few jigs down quick and uh, drifted through them, and they're uh, on the two, yeah. Yeah, we've got jewies on the bottom, and then the harbour's been thick with tuna at the moment, so we had to play around with a few of them, just a bit of a time-waste sort of thing. There was even reports of tuna right down to Pioneer Creek, apparently in there. A few others, people have been getting them up around Buff Creek, just out on the flats too. 
Now, you've been to Shady too recently. Yeah, went for a look uh, down the front. Threadies were, yeah, thick, thick as. All sitting, you know, down on the bottom sulking. We spent the day dragging lures, playing pinball with the, with the lures through them and scratching their backs, but just couldn't get any to eat. So if you can persist the, the pain of that, you might eventually get them to turn and come on the chew. And what about the barra? Are they still uh, still hiding under the sulking threadies? Don't know if there's any barra left in the territory. Are you positive for the future? Please say yes, because this is hurting me as well. <laughs> Jeez, I hope so. Bring on the build-up. I think we're all just waiting for that. Can we fast-forward four months? Uh, park the fishing rods and get out the camping gear, I think. But, um, no, nah, look, there's, you know, Dundee's been going really well. There's been lots of mackies and, and tuna out there, you know, keep the punters happy. It's just that that part of the season, I think. You switch your game up, change it about, and then later on come back into the, to the barra for the build-up. So, of course, Tim, I asked Bikini Dave off air for some weekend oh, oh, fishing man. tips. You would, that, that German you were talking earlier yeah. uh, <laughs> really brought you back. And now you're, you've, just, you've just disgraced yourself again. More insider angling. Uh, can I use that in defence when we finally go to court? Yeah, but I can, I can, I can translate oh, get a mullet up you into German. He did shock me with that get a mullet up you that day. <laughs> So, look, I did ask him for some weekend fishing tips. And in all seriousness, um, Sunday morning sunrise on the harbour, wind wind pending, is sounding like a ripper. Um, Pelagic's, you know, six okay. mile, then maybe out to Lee Point. He was amazed at the amount of silver slices, too, that the shop's been selling over the past couple of months. And it is a great thing, isn't it? You know, as you, you can't scratch the barrage too well, but you really can convert your focus onto the blue and onto the pelagic. So there's something for everyone all year round. There is. Every kid wins a prize in this territory. Yes, exactly right. Can you say that in German? No. Wallet was soaked, keys were soaked, case of beer, the bottom fell out of it. Picked up this jerry can off Kaz Beach, swam back out to the boat. They really got at me. Tales from the Tinny. Every time we hear from Russ from the Do, he mentions this crew of mythical characters who he fishes with. Most of the time, it's so that he can slag them. Blokes like Prawn Man, the Big F and C, Cookie, and Jason. And every now and again, you've got to give an opportunity for right of reply. It's what do you call it, Andy? I call it natural justice, procedural fairness, and the right of reply. And, t- and today's our opportunity with Cookie and Jace. How are you, fellas? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good, mate. So, where you been, Jace? Wide of the parents. Good trip, good blokes, good laughs, few beers, plenty of good fish. Just the three of us headed off on Saturday morning, calm seas, uh, got the old growler running and we were out there and had a magnificent time. Flat, no swell, absolutely beautiful. Great trip out doing 60, 65 k's in the growler and yeah, we just cruised out and found our spot and into the fish straight away. How is it that you always get such good conditions? Pure ass. (laughs) But you don't hear the other stories. (laughs) <laughs> Some of them aren't that flash. As Russell's got a bad habit, he said it's pretty flat today and you can go out there and it's as wild as you'll ever get. And he'll still want to go. And I'm stupid enough to go with him. So that's just the way it is. The thrill of catching a fish. 60 to 80 k's out, drop down on the first mark, touch the bottom, you're on, hooking up straight away. There's no, there was pretty much no break for the majority of the day. There's a fair bit of tide running when we got out there, so the plastics are out of the question, but we'll just drop on some baits and and the reds and the nannies and the cod and the trout and the snapper, they were on. The nannies were sort of running from 50 to 70. The best nanny was 60 or 70 or something like that, yeah. The cod we didn't measure, but they were big cod. 
Uh, beautiful, nice big trout, and I reckon the goldies were around that 50 to 60 mark. So great fishing. And last time we spoke to you, Mob, uh, the tax man was well in season. He's, he's everywhere. He's everywhere, that he's, tax man. He's on the bottom, he's halfway up, and he's on the top. <laughs> he's all over the show. <laughs> these, they, they, these tax men are definitely up the size from the previous ones. Yeah. No budging yeah. them at all. Actually, at one stage, we all hooked up. Russ and I, good fish. Cookie's on good fish as well. And we're like, all right, who's got the worst fish? Grabs a beer. Russ and I, like, we're sorted. We know there's good fish. Cookie's still sitting on the cast deck, just sitting down, wheeling in. He's like, all right, I'll get the beer. Next minute. Taxman, boom, there goes my fish. Two seconds later, taxman again, boom, there goes Russ's fish. The dark horse has come from behind. That's it. Then Cookie's just up there, you know, the good old shoulder shaking there, not laughing out loud. But <laughs> next thing he just brings up this Trevor, Russ's, so beer cookie. <laughs> and it was that easy. I didn't have to do nothing. They were working and I'm just sitting there laughing. I go, I'm going to have to get the beer, but that's not going to hurt because I wouldn't mind one anyway. We looked at Cookie and he's just, just grinning straight at Russ and I. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Crispest tasting beer you've ever had. It was the nicest beer I've ever had in a boat, I reckon. And we've had a few over the years. Don't worry about that. <laughs> You've got to work pretty hard to get your fish up. Out of 60 metres, it's hard work, but it's worth it until you come up with an old tricky snapper on the end of the line, which is very disappointing. It's guys who fish at the level that you fish who treat tricky as... Vermin. Oh, they... Vermin! They just stink. <laughs> Horrid. If you've yeah. ever experienced vomit from a tricky, you're out in the open and it, you just feel like just jumping in the water and getting out of the boat. It is that bad. Yeah. But they're all right on the chew. Oh, unless you're getting trout and emperor all the time. Well, when you're getting a few emperor and a few trout, that's yeah, the last thing you're going to put in the esky, mate. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah. And besides that, the skipper hates them. You've got to keep Russ happy or you don't get another invite. How do you do that? How do you keep Russ happy? You throw back the trickies and keep catching quality fish. And try not to let his fish go on the boggers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Russ was on it. Russ was on to good fish, brought it up, nice size emperor. I'd grab the leader. As I've grabbed the leader, the hook's pulled and it just sat in the water and I was just looking at it, looked at Russ and he just looked at me with pure disappointment, went to grab it, then it swam off. Disdain might be a better word That's for that it. look. Cookie banished me to the front of the boat for a bit. Up the front in the naughty corner, and Russell never said a word. First time he's ever been quiet in his life. <laughs> Cookie runs a fairly impressive and mildly intimidating handlebar moustache. You must be the bouncer on Russ's boat. I nearly got bounced out of it before we went the other day because I forgot the bait. I had silence from both sides. Jason Russ wouldn't talk to me. I knew I was in the sh The only thing I forgot was the first trip, and I forgot beer. Very lucky to get another session he was. Very lucky. You're forgetting bait, beer and dropping his fish? Well, three out of three is not bad, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so was there much uh, bait and pelagic action around? Very little tuna. Where the first trip out, there was just thousands and thousands and thousands of it. This trip, very little. Where you expected it, we'll pick up a couple for bait. There was nothing. Only small pods and there was only a couple of them on the way out. Like the trip before, there was just football fields of them just going ballistic on the water. It was no hassle to get bait. And water clarity, Cookie? Clarity was insane. I reckon we were seeing, we were seeing colour on our fish at 15 to 20 metres. It was insanely clean. Whether that had anything to do with the jigs, because the jigs didn't fire up that good last trip. That was mostly bait. Whether that was something to do with that, I don't know. But I sort of put it down to the water running a bit faster. It's one of the exciting moments we blue water fish for, isn't it? That moment when you see the colour. How awesome seeing them at 15 to 20 metres down. 
it's awesome until you bring it up close and it's a bloody tricky. <laughs> After you've brought it up from 40 to 50 down, your first thing <laughs> colour, and you're like, yeah, oh, nah, bloody tricky. And then it's just disappointment. It's devastating. Yeah, it's absolutely devastating. And then all of a sudden, one of the balls yell out, it's red, it's red, and then it's all action. Guys, it's not a caddy. It's close enough to being a caddy. Very similar, as far as we're concerned. <laughs> we're pretty compassionate here at the Tinny, deep down. You, you do sound like you're traumatised around this whole tricky situation. Well, not only the tricky situation, but how unreliable they are as deckies. And that they're on tender hooks every time they go out as to whether they'll get another invite because they forget beer, bait and drop fish. Do, do we need to refer you somewhere? No, we probably just need to lift our game, that's all, <laughs> and we'll be right. Yeah, otherwise we'll gang up on him. We'll get back in the boat, don't worry about that. <laughs> oh, well, that's it. We're either, we're, there's probably a good chance we're all beyond the help. <laughs> Russ could be limited to people invites, so we always get invites back in the boat. Yeah. Yeah. He's only got a few people he'll take, so that's us, so we're pretty right, I reckon. Got any plans coming up for any more missions together? Uh, as soon as we get some nice calm days, we'll be out again. All we know is we're definitely going to be sending pictures through to the prawn man. We're sick of seeing his pictures from him living his dream, so we've just got to keep sending them through to the prawn man. Correspondence inbound, prawn man. How's the barra fishing go in eight degrees down at King Ash? <laughs> and just in closing, chaps, I don't know how fitting it is, but a bloke commented on Facebook with one of your posts, you magnificent bastards. That sounds like a pretty good title. I've been called a whole lot worse over the years. Thanks very much to two of the members of the Magnificent Bastards. Nice to catch up with you. No worries. Pleasure. Thanks, fellas. Jace appeared physically and emotionally affected. I don't know whether you noticed his body language, Tim, while we were interviewing, when he spoke of the tricky vomit. I, and I was a bit concerned with the level, to, the detest, the mm. disdain mm. they had for Tricky. So we've, we've been musing on that, um, Fishos, and, and wonder whether what they describe as vermin would be more exciting to catch and more uplifting when they saw the colour of the tricky come to the boat if they had their own theme song. Well, thanks to Hiro Nakamura, the land-based Barra Whisperer. Welcome back, mate. It's great to have you back, and um, thanks for letting me friend you on Facebook. Thanks, too, to Spiro Errol. Thanks to the magnificent bastards, too. What magnificent mob of bastards you are. Jason, Cookie, and the rest of the crew. Who is it? Prawn Man, the big F and C, and uh, Russ from the Duke. Uh, to Bagani, Dave, Warren DeWitt, as always, and thanks especially to this man, who despite a significant setback, is well and truly back on the boat. Yeah, I'm fine with fish blood, pig blood, f***ing guts, anything. As soon as I see my own blood, down I go. <laughs> what a legend. You can see those photos and vids on uh, Facebook if you so desire. And that's about it for Tales from the Tinny this week. Until next week, get a tendon-severing, faint-inducing mullet up ya. You-